Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This is Peter speaking to the church, primarily the church in Turkey. He writes, writes these letters of which he planted, Peter, but He's always pastoring and building up the church. And he's encouraging them quite often through Peter's letters to live holy lives, to live lives that are sanctified before, the, before, before a holy God and to live lives that are clearly lives following Jesus. And he says this in verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, This is now the second letter that I'm writing you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I feel like that is kind of what church is as well. Church is a weekly reminder of these things that we see in Scripture. That's why we've got to be in church, a part of church, online, um, intentionally being a part of church. Verse 2, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in at the last days with scoffing, following their sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, speaking of the flood. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. Now Peter's talking about end times. He's speaking about what's coming. Being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So I just want to stop there for a moment. So he's talking about what was, how the creation came, how it came about and um, you know, the promise through Noah and then the flood and the, the great cleansing that happened at that time. And then he's speaking about the final judgment. But then he gets right to today in verse eight. Look at what it says. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. I love that. It says, do not overlook this one fact that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I want to preach a message this morning with this title, My Bad, I Got It Wrong. <laughs> Come on, write it down. My bad, I got it wrong. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything you've ever given us and ever done in our lives. Lord, we love you and we need you. We declare your goodness, Father, over our lives. Father, we choose to look at everything you've done, not choose to see what the world's trying to give us or say to us or do to us. Father, we just thank you right now that we can look upon your scriptures, just like Peter is telling us today, Father, that we don't need to overlook all that's coming, all that's been, but we can focus on your goodness today, God. So we thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that it speaks life into, into people every single week, Lord. 
from the beginning to the end. It always shapes us, molds us, helps us to be who we're called to be. So God, we pray that that would be true again today. Holy Spirit, we're wide open, ready for you to move, ready for you to act, ready for you to speak, ready for you to, to show up and illuminate the Scriptures, every single word, God. Father, we thank you for Colonial Kids. Lord, thank you that the generations at Colonial are blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're keeping them, you're smiling upon them, Lord. And Father, you're building them up in Jesus' name. And we all said, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. But these words right here, these ones, but that all should reach repentance. I want to speak today about the power of repentance in our lives. I want to speak about the power of repentance. My bad, I got it wrong. I want to talk about repentance for a minute because I believe it's a powerful, powerful thing as a believer to live with this revelation of what repentance does for us. But it seems like it's a taboo topic these days. I want to assault culture for just a moment and say that we need to talk about repentance. But here's the big thought. God's got a big issue with sin. That's why he sent Jesus. Sin as well is a taboo topic, but the thing about sin is it has a solution. Sin now has a solution because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The shedding of his blood covers sin for all of humanity, right? Christ died for all. Sin has been remedied. With the blood of Jesus, so, so through Jesus we have salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. See, here's the truth. I said this at Wildman a few weeks ago. I said the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which I pray and I believe we preach here at Colonial, the gospel of Jesus, not any other gospel. It is a gospel of salvation. It is a gospel of grace. It is a gospel of power, but it is also a gospel of repentance. And sometimes we don't talk about that enough. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that when we come to Jesus, we ask for forgiveness of our sins. It's a gospel of repentance. It's a gospel of coming to Jesus, coming to the cross, every single person. That's why John 3.16 is so powerful. Because it's a gospel of repentance. But what even is repentance? I just want to read this definition that I found because I quite like it. It says this, it's the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied by commitment and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. I want to read that again. The activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition, which is on the inside, or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied by the commitment and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. In Judaism, like we see in scriptures, in the Hebrew scriptures and Christianity, we see in the New Testament, it's often defined as an action, turning away from self-serving activities and turning to God to walk in His ways. Let me show you a few verses on repentance in the New Testament. I just want to show these to you. Matthew 4. Verse 17, 
If I move through these quickly, just write down the reference and maybe a key word and come back to them this week in your quiet time. But it says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 3 and verse 19, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Luke 5 and verse 32, Jesus, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Acts 11 verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance. There it is again, repentance that leads to life. That's the power of repentance. It leads to life. It always leads to life. Romans 2 and verse 4, and I've got 15 other scriptures that I could read, but I'm going to finish with this one. Romans 2 and verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? See, repentance is simply acknowledging wrong. This is what I wrote down. Acknowledging wrong, saying sorry, and choosing to go God's way in our lives. Acknowledging wrong, coming before God and saying, I'm sorry. And then choosing and acting and willfully wanting to go God's way. That's true repentance. It takes humility, but it also takes action. It's admitting that I got it wrong. I'm going to change my mind, which is the true source of the word repent. It really means to change our minds. And choosing to go God's way, that's true repentance. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. You see this scripture a lot. People use this scripture a lot. But look at what it says. It says, if my people, this is God speaking to Israel. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We see the process right here. We see repentance right here. We can break it up and look at it right here. We see first it says, my people, this is you and this is me. This is God's people. It says, with a spirit of humility, we'll pray. In other words, come to me, seek me, but then turn. And maybe that's a word for someone today. Maybe the word for you today, the word of the Lord is turn. Make a turn. Your life needs to take a turn. And God is going to give you the power and the ability and the strength and the grace to make the turn. But it says turn from the wrong ways, turn from the wicked ways and turn towards the right way. And it says, and God will bless you. See, in the Old Testament, the way it would work to obtain perfect standing or uh, repentance or cleanliness before God, there was a system a system that was in place. Um, what you had to do is you had to bring a perfect, unblemished animal to the altar. Had to be perfect, not spotted, not with any defects. It had to be perfect. And the idea here was that the clean animal would take the sins of the unclean. That, that's the way it would work. It would be You would take the, the clean animal and it would... You know, even laying on the head of the animal to receive the sins of humanity, the people of Israel, the camp of Israel, to take away the unclean from God's people. That's why when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, this is Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
You think about the priest in this scenario. I just wanted to go a little bit deeper with this. You think about the priest who's working this situation out for God's people in the Old Testament. See, the priests, they weren't just ordinary, everyday people. These were Levite priests. These were specific, specific family from the, the sons, and, and, and they, were, they were chosen to be a priest, priesthood for God, to represent the people to God and God to people, to administer the function of the tabernacle, to act as the go-between between the people and God. But, you know, even for them, there was a type of life they had to live to be able to function in this capacity. They had to wear special garments to be holy. They had to administer in the right way. They couldn't go in at the wrong time to approach God. To approach God, it had to be done absolutely perfect. There would even be a washing before going into God's presence. There would be a process And through that process, the people would be made clean, or in other words, made holy. Repentance would happen. Atonement for sin would take place. But this would become a rhythm for God's people. Aren't you glad today that we don't have to bring any animals into the house of God? Aren't you glad that we don't have to, I'm personally glad I don't have to wear any robes or anything like that. But it's this rhythm that God's people would live by to repent for sin to remedy sin, and through Jesus Christ, we have our remedy. But it's a rhythm in our lives, now in our hearts, that God wants us to live by. So my question today is, why don't we talk about sin and repentance more? Why don't we? I mean, like, I mean, I'll be honest, it's not the most fun topic. Hey, we're going to talk about repentance today and going to talk about your sin. Sit down. But I believe it's a culture issue. I believe that culture's trying to dictate truth. And it happens in every single generation. Right now, culture, which is worldly, is trying to assert that we accept that sin is actually just personal choice, but it's not. In the absence of absolute truth, which is the Word of God, make no mistake today. Absolute truth is God's Word. Because outside of that, all we are left with is this generation's version of morality. Let me say this very clearly. That's not good enough for a believer. This is truth. This is absolute. You're wondering what truth is? It's right here. And it's always been here. The problem is generation to generation... Pride creeps in, it's just like, oh, maybe we can work this out ourselves. Maybe we can figure this thing out on our own. Does that sound familiar? So we need to talk about this, but we also need to understand the power of repentance. And it's actually purposed by God to help us. It says, it says His kindness leads us to repentance. Repentance leads to life. It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. And God's word speaks loudly about it, so we should as well. Can I get an amen in church? I believe repentance unlocks incredible power in our lives. So what I got this morning is I've got five keys to unlock the power of repentance in our life. Are you ready? I mean, five points. This is, this is action packed today. This is a bonus two points. All right, how to unlock the power of repentance in our lives. Point number one is this, admit fault. Yeah. 
Admit fault. We've got to start here. You know, the greatest enemy to a great relationship with God is pride. It's pride. Because what happens with pride is when it comes in, it, it, it develops a root and then it becomes prideful living. And that's the wrong rhythm that God doesn't want us to live with. You know, it's actually awesome to say, my bad, I got it wrong. It's awesome to say that. Because we live in a time today where everyone has to be right all the time. Like don't go near social media unless you're ready for someone to tell you in all caps that you're wrong. <laughs> you know, but there is power in accepting that I got it wrong. I'm gonna show you. You know, success is a lousy teacher, but failure is a great one. You know, my dad, went, you know, God bless him, he's not here anymore, but I, you know, I love my dad, he was awesome. And talk about him a lot because he showed me so much. He was a trial lawyer in Australia, he was a barrister. I don't know if you've seen the movies where they wear the wigs, you know, and the gown in court and stuff. That's what my dad did, it was pretty cool. But he would hear a bunch of cases each year. I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 50 cases. And I remember in January of every single year, we, you know, January in Australia is beach time. It's the opposite way around. It's, it's hot in January in Australia. So we'd go to the beach and we'd spend January hanging out uh, up the coast of Australia. And my dad would take briefs with him. And these briefs were in these, I remember they were in these pink folders and they had ri ribbon wrapped around them. And it was just this weird quirky thing that like that lawyers did. I don't know why, it's just a weird thing. But I just remember seeing them and he, he would have them stacked up on the dining table. And he would read them over weeks. And then somewhere along, I was like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, why do you do that? He's just like, oh, I read the cases now so that when I get to, to do the cases in court, I remember what they were about. I was like, you remember? Like, that's amazing. But he said, yeah, you know, I don't win them all. He's like, oh, I win a lot of them, but I don't win them all. You know what's interesting? He's like, I don't learn anything from the ones I win. I only learn from the ones I lose. And he was trying to encourage me. He's like, you know what? Success is a lousy teacher. Because when you're successful, when you get it right all the time, you know what? You don't learn anything. Because when you get it right all the time, it's just like, well, I got nothing to learn. I got it right. I'm pretty awesome. In fact, you know what? I am awesome. Because <laughs> I just got it right. But here's the thing about repentance is we've got to understand that saying I got it wrong is not a bad thing. Because when we get it wrong, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to come under the Word. It's an opportunity to get around wise counsel. It's an opportunity to hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? But if you wanna unlock the power of repentance that leads to life, you have gotta be willing to admit fault and say, I got it wrong. You know, I believe we can learn from the discipline that God wants to give us. See, He disciplines His children just like we discipline our children. He wants us to teach us things, to train us and teach us in His way. So number one, we have to admit fault to walk in repentance. Number two, we need to seek forgiveness. We need to actually seek forgiveness. We need to not just expect or think that we get it, but to seek forgiveness to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes we carry a feeling of guilt before God. 
And the problem with that is because we've never actually verbally in prayer said, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me of what I've done wrong. Lord, I'm sorry for the choices that I've made. We need to seek forgiveness before God in communion with Him. And we need to ask Him. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive. See that? If we confess, He is just to forgive. We've got to be willing to seek forgiveness. And it's a continual thing. Write this down. I'd love for you to write this down and meditate on this thought. Repentance is a lifestyle, not just an event. Repentance is a lifestyle, not just an event. You know, Jesus, He gave us a rhythm for this. I'm going to show it to you. It's in Matthew 6. It's in the Lord's Prayer. This is a lifestyle thing. This is a way that we can live our lives before God. Matthew 6 and verse 8, Jesus says, Do not be like them, speaking of people who pray the wrong way, making it all about them. He says, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is this heaven. Look at the, look at the, the shift towards the daily rhythm. It says, Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. Other translations says trespasses or sins, as we have also forgiven our debtors, trespasses or sins. See, repentance is meant to be a lifestyle. It's not meant to just be a one-off event. The enemy would love for you to live your life thinking, it's cool, you asked for forgiveness once, and you did. When you asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you, you did. That was a big moment in your life. I don't want to minimise that for a moment. But here's the problem. You've got a life to live. You've got a journey to walk out. You've got a calling to fulfil. You've got promises to walk in. See, if we don't seek forgiveness, if we're not coming before the Lord and continual repentance and saying, Lord, just help me get through this. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Help me to walk better. Help me to move forward. Repentance, it's a lifestyle that helps us remove the impurities. The whole point of coming before God in the Old Testament was to purify yourself before you got into the presence of God. And as we walk through life, we can live a lifestyle of repentance, not just an event in Jesus' name. I feel like that is really quotable. That is really tweetable. (laughs) Very Instagrammable as well in Jesus' name. I think one of the best things we can ask for in prayer is just, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. Forgive me for the ways I've messed up. Forgive me, Lord, for the ways that I've treated others. Forgive me, Father, for, you know, the way I didn't fulfill what you wanted me to do. Because God gives grace to that humility. He resists prideful people, but he gives grace And isn't it funny that sometimes, just thinking about others for a moment, I think one of the best things we can ask others is, will you forgive me? But we never do it. Isn't it funny that sometimes we get mad at people for not extending grace to us, but we never ask for it? So we suffer in silence 
But sometimes it just takes a conversation. And a simple, hey, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, my bad. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So number two, we've got to seek forgiveness. And then number three, to unlock the key to repentance, the power of repentance, we've got to deal with sin. This is a bit that no one wants to talk about, but I will. We have to deal with sin. We have to understand the power of repentance is to be freed from the grip and the ongoing grip of sin in our lives. But we have to be willing to deal with it. We have to be willing to deal with it. In 2 Chronicles, what does it say? It says, and turn from their wicked ways. See, that's the dealing with. That's the walking away from the idols. That's getting the the stuff out of your life. That's dealing with the sin in your life and turning towards God. Dealing with sin. There has to be a turning. And I believe that turning is a daily turning. There needs to be a changing. There needs to be a willful determination to get on God's path and to leave my path. I'm preaching to myself and I like it. You know what? In fact, I'm going to do this. Give it to me. I'm preaching to myself because I want to walk this out. I don't want to just be right where I am. I want God to keep changing me. I want sanctification to keep working through me. I want the Holy Spirit to keep changing me, to become more like God to walk more in His ways, to get a deeper understanding of His revelation. You can't have that unless you're willing to walk in repentance before the Lord. We have to deal with sin. We have to be willing participants. I need to turn this back around. You know, we could say that, yeah, Jesus died for my sin once for all, didn't He? Yes, He did. But there's a difference in Scripture between the shedding of blood and the sprinkling of blood. Let me show it to you. It's in Hebrews 10. Verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This is repentance. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who's promised is faithful a continually turning back to Jesus and His miraculous power in our lives, remembering the blood of Jesus every day. See, this is the power of living this way, dealing with sin, bringing it underneath the authority of the blood of Jesus in our lives. Continue, I said at Wildman, I talked, I brought this whole message at Wildman called um, Breaking the Power of Lust in, in Our Lives. And I said this, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit to it. The first thing you've got to do is expose it. Expose it. Say, this is here. I need to expose it. Then you've got to starve it. Then you've got to isolate it and starve it to death. And then what you've got to do is you've got to die to it. And then finally I said, and then you've got to repeat that over and over for the rest of your life. Because that particular issue for a man is a, is a daily battle. But we've got to be willing to deal with sin. No matter what, deal with sin. Can I just encourage you? Christian counselling is awesome. I want to be a pastor that encourages that. You know, like if you need help, we want you to get help. If you need help, we want you to, to move forward in that direction. Understand the power of repentance sometimes will involve going that far. God will honour that choice. God will honour that decision. He will see you do that and say, I'm going to bless that. 
He's gonna help you get through to your breakthrough in Jesus' name. Number three, deal with sin. Number four, here we go, keep short accounts. You wanna unlock the power of repentance in your life, we gotta keep short accounts with people in our lives. Unforgiveness is like a poison that stops us and holds us back. Keep short accounts with others because God has kept a very short account with you. In fact, there's only one thing in your account. It's called righteousness. That's it. That's the only thing that's in your account in Christ Jesus is righteousness, right standing before God. You know, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people, i.e. people that have an understanding that they've been forgiven, they have a real easy time forgiving everyone. Oh, yeah, it's cool. And I've, I've been challenged and inspired by some Christian leaders I've been around that how quickly they forgive people and how quickly they just clear the account. Say, hey, I, I, don't, want, I, don't, want, I don't want to run this account for a second longer than I have to. I just want you to know we're all good. Yeah. I forgive you. Yeah, and there have been wrongs and wrongdoing. But the power of repentance is understand, man, my account has got nothing in it. God has forgiven me. So I'm going to choose right now to keep short Accounts. I wonder if you're the type of person that keeps short accounts with the people in your world. Or do you make them pay off their account? Are they people in your life that when it comes to wronging you, listen to me, they have to work it off. They have to earn your forgiveness. Sometimes we, want, we won't forgive people in our lives because we don't feel like the other person has earned it. But there's a problem with that. It's the antithesis of the way God has treated us. He's chosen to forgive us. We've got to keep short accounts because God has chosen to keep a short account with us. Hebrews 8 and verse 12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities. Look at this. And I will remember their sins no more. And I didn't know if I would have time to go here right now because... Of time, but I just want to say in Matthew 18, there's a parable that Jesus tells called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we've we've all read it. If you grew up in church, you know this parable, but it's actually about keeping short accounts with people. That's actually the whole point of it. But this is how Jesus ends it. It talks about how a, a servant is basically given incredible forgiveness, a debt which understood in today's amount would be like $50 million. Like, i.e., God's making a point. There's no way this debt could be paid off. So the, 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 the servant, it gets taken care of. And then shortly thereafter, a tiny amount of debt that's owed to that servant that's been forgiven now tries to take up that debt with their servant. And Jesus tells a story about how God approaches that. He says, this is it, in verse 32 of Matthew 18. And then the king called in the man, he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he's paid, he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, this is what Jesus says and listen to how soberly he ends it. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Look at this, from your heart. We've got to keep short accounts. We can't afford to keep long accounts. We can't afford to 
let unforgiveness grow. We can't afford to let bitterness take root in our hearts because Jesus is saying, no, you can't live that way. You've got to forgive from your heart. And I believe through the Lord's prayer, He's trying to show us, you've got to do this every day. It's got to be something every single day that you forgive people. So number four, keep short accounts. Is this helping? Number, number five, this is how we do it. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because He will. Team, you can come up. You know, the Holy Spirit's job description is the help. That's literally what His job description is or one of His functions in our life. Let me show you one of them. It's John, John 14 and verse 15. It says this. You can put it up there. Now, <laughs> it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. How do you walk out and unlock the power of repentance in your life? I believe we go through all these things, keep a soft heart before the Lord, but ultimately every single day we ask the Holy Spirit, help me do this. Help me walk in repentance. Help me live a life before the Lord, forgiving people, keeping short accounts, not letting unforgiveness grow, not letting myself get stale and allowing sin to take over, allowing sin to get a hold of me, but asking the Holy Spirit to set me free. Asking the Holy Spirit for me to walk in freedom, not letting myself become bound to the things of this world, to the culture we live in. The culture of today is so divisive. The culture of today is so in our faces trying to get us to be divided against each other and to, to fight and so much fighting that's going on. You know, that's the antithesis of what Peter said to the church. Holy Spirit, would you help us? to live this out. Come on, why don't you stand with me? I believe this is a moment that we can take where we can ask God to cleanse our hearts. You know, this is what we've got to do. Sometimes we've got to do some heart work. Heart work in our life and ask the Holy Spirit to search. As we do, we open up the doors of our heart and we say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Show me maybe where I need to deal with some things. Maybe it is a sin issue for you. Maybe there's a habitual sin that just keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. I believe this is your moment to ask the Holy Spirit, I wanna be done with this. Will you help me? Will you help me walk forward? Maybe for you, you're in here today and it's unforgiveness. And you're like, man, I've just been holding a grudge for too long. You talk about short accounts, Pastor, man, I've got an account that goes back 10 years. I believe that today is your day to free yourself from the prison of unforgiveness, to take the antidote for that poison, which is to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to let it go. So here's what I wanna do just before we sing this worship song again, which is all about the goodness of God and how faithful He is to us is what I want us to do. I just want us to do some heart work right now. Is that okay? So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit right now, how is this message speaking to me?
what area do I need to work on? What part of this is for me? Because the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth will lead you to that place in your heart right now, will show you, will illuminate, will expose that thing to you right now. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you show us? Would you help us? Would you illuminate what it is? And then once you know what it is, once it's unforgiveness, if it's sin, if it's an issue, whatever it is, I just want you to raise your hand. We're going to do some heart work for a moment before we sing. As soon as He gives it to you, you just raise your hand. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Speak to us. Counsel us, guide us, shape us. Convict us, show us, help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, you see all the hands that are raised and you definitely see all the hearts that are open. So God, we ask right now that you would come into our lives and you would help us that You would help us move forward in this area. You would help us take up the challenge of living lives of repentance, holy sanctification that takes place every single day. Lord, I pray right now for any unforgiveness that exists in hearts today. God, I just ask that You would help us to remove that root. Help us to take it out, Holy Spirit. I pray right now that You would help us forgive, to forgive in the areas where we need to forgive. Father, I thank you right now. I see in my heart right now that you're just unlocking prisons of unforgiveness as people are walking free. People are walking free of the bondage of unforgiveness right now. I just pray right now that you would release people right now. Lord, I pray right now for people that are dealing with sin. Sin that's gripping, sin that's holding. I'm picturing like an anchor that's just pulling down against the tide of life stopping you from going back. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would release, that you would cut that anchor, that you would cut that line and release us from any grip of sin. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're faithful and you love us and you cause us to walk into freedom, into truth in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing. Let's worship right now. Come on. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.